Wow, Summit, so good to be here. It really is. I tell you what, look at you guys, beautiful. You feel that way? We are. <laughs> you may not feel it, but you are. Extra hour of sleep or not. What a wonderful thing God has done. So good to be with you. We're so excited. I tell you what, what a year this has been. Some of you that read our newsletter know that God has slowly closed the door for us to go back to Argentina. And that was a very painful thing, and still is in many respects. And we appreciate your prayers as we kind of look for what's next. We don't yet know. The things we're going to talk about this morning, though, have not changed. Uh, I'm actually going to be sharing with you what our vision is and why. It comes from the Word of God, and it actually comes from the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. So uh, that's what I want to share with you today. But please do keep praying for us. We still, we're still seeking the Lord's will as we step out in faith and follow Him. Or I should say we have stepped out in faith. <laughs> Exciting. Well, today we're going to talk about remembering the first deeds. And some of you may remember that phrase comes from Revelation 2.5, written to a church called Ephesus that lost their first love. Have you guys heard that story? We're going to look at it in a little while. They lost their first love, and the Lord Jesus himself is talking to the Apostle John and commands John to write this message down. And he gives a solution to their loss of first love, and it's to remember from where, they're fallen, from where they have fallen, repent, and do the first deeds. In the book of Revelation, however, it doesn't say what those first deeds are. I don't know if you guys have, have thought about that, noticed that, but it's been uh, enjoyable for me to do a treasure hunt through the Scripture to find out what were those first deeds, and that's what I'm going to share with you today, if you're ready. Are you guys ready? Ready or not, here we go. <laughs> the first deeds, treasure hunt for the first deeds. Well, first, we need to define some terms, because I want to show you guys clearly from the Scripture that we know what the first deeds were. But to know that, we've got to define some terms. And the first term is this word Asia. And when you guys think of Asia, what do you think of today? China, India, right? Maybe the Middle East. Asia Minor, where Turkey is. Big. You think of 1040 window. You think of billions of people. You think of half the population of the planet, Right? Well, that is not what the Bible means. Let me give you an example uh, in your Bibles. In Acts chapter 2, this comes from the, the story of Pentecost. And you guys remember the story. Jews came from all over the Roman world at that time to celebrate the Passover. And then 50 days later, Pentecost happened. And people were there from all over the place. And in Acts 2, uh, actually, I'm going to read... Uh, Verse 8, 9, and 10. Sorry, if there's a, uh, uh, if the notes are a little bit different than the reference, that's my fault. Nobody else's. But notice, notice these, uh, these terms, little geographic lesson. After they heard all the disciples speaking in other languages, notice what they said in verse 8. These are the, the observers, the heretofore unbelievers at the time. Verse 8, and how is it? 
that we hear each of us in his own native language. Notice these groups, Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Pontus, and Asia. And he goes on, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome. That little word Asia, what does that mean? Does it mean the Asia we think of today? In fact, it does not. I don't know if you can put up that map on the screen. Is that possible? The little map that will show you exactly what they mean by Asia. This Asia is a Roman province. Can we get that? Okay, I'll keep talking. They get that. You guys have heard of Turkey, modern-day Turkey. It's located in what we call... Is this too loud? No? It's good? Modern-day Turkey is located in what we call Asia Minor. And part of Asia Minor, there was a little province on the west coast they called Asia. It had a Roman consul, and uh, that's what we're talking about here. Let me give you another example. Well, this one will be from Acts chapter 16. And if you get that map, go ahead and throw it up there. If not, we'll keep plugging. When Paul began his second missionary journey, God actually intervened and prevented him from preaching the gospel in Asia. Look at verse 6 of Acts chapter 16. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in where? In Asia. Interesting, huh? The Holy Spirit forbade them to preach the word in Asia. Well, what Asia? It's, uh, it's that same little Asia. In fact, it's interesting. Where are Phrygia and Galatia? They're smack dab in the middle of Asia Minor. You guys with me? You hanging in there on geography lesson? So this is going to be a very important because whatever happened in Asia or didn't happen, we need to know. That's going to help us identify exactly what the first deeds were. In fact, this statement that they were forbidden to preach the word in Asia allows us to know that when Paul went there and preached, it was for the first time. The word of God never went to Asia until Acts chapter 19. That's where it went. That's how we know what the first deeds were, okay? So is the map, can you get that picture? Final call. Final call for map. Appreciate you guys so much. I laid this on him at the last minute, so my fault. Okay. So one more reference. Turn to Acts chapter 19. Just to nail down, what is Asia? Hey, all right, thank you. Wow, you guys are amazing. You guys recognize that shape of Asia Minor? Look at Cappadocia on the right-hand side, all through Bithynia. You scholars of 1 Peter are going to like Bithynia because he mentions that. Peter does, Bithynia. And then Asia right there. And what's the capital of Asia? Ephesus, there it is. And Pamphylia, Cilicia, Tarsus, Paul's hometown. 
So, so you guys know that was a Roman province. It was their designation. And that's what we're talking about here. So exactly what you see here in verse 10 of Acts 19, when it says, this continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. You know what it means. It doesn't mean all of China, India, and Asia Minor. No, it means that area. It's been hard for me to determine how many people lived there at the time, but more or less about 200, 250,000 in that range. So in two years, could have been a little less, roughly that number of people heard the word of the Lord, uh, according to this verse. Okay, so you guys know what Asia is, right? All right, that's excellent. Why? Because the commander, remember the first deeds, was written to Ephesus. Ephesus was the capital of? Asia. Let's go look at that. In Revelation... Chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 4 through 6. In fact, uh, I'm going to start at verse 1, a little context. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works and your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you, church, have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, Repent, and there it is, that phrase, do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. The Lord of the church, Jesus Christ himself, is talking to this church in Ephesus. This is to a church. This is not a message about losing your salvation or anything nutty like that. This is a message to a church that has lost its first love. And the command is to the church. Church at Ephesus, you guys remember. Church at Ephesus, you repent. Church, turn around and do those deeds you did at first. It doesn't say what those deeds are, hence the message this morning. When you guys leave, I want you to know the deeds because our Lord doesn't change. And at the end, we're going to apply verse 7 just a heads up for you. Verse 7 says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. In other words, he's not just preaching to Ephesus. Oh, yes, he's preaching to them. But he's also preaching to everyone who hears the word of God and gets it. And that would be us. But I get ahead of myself. That's just a little teaser for the end. The command is to remember those first deeds. But what were they? What were those first deeds? Praise the Lord. They're right there in the book of Acts. And we're going to tick, tick through them. In fact, if you guys like giving no, uh, taking notes, I'm just going to give them to you right off. And then we'll go study them. Number one, their mission was Christ's mission. They had a mission. The church in Ephesus had a goal. They had a charge. 
They were about something. And it was the same mission that Christ had. The exact same. Not only that, but they did evangelism. They went out everywhere preaching the gospel. We already noticed that in Acts 19, verse 10. But not only did they do, have Christ's mission and do evangelism, they did discipleship. But not only did they do discipleship, they trained and developed leaders. And then they sent those leaders out. And not only did they do that, but they form and maintain partnerships among communities of believers and churches in different areas. As our brother read about giving, that offering was taken to give to other, other cities, other churches. And then Paul very clearly delegated responsibilities and then served and encouraged and supported those churches for as long as he lived. So that's where we're going. All right, ready? Boy, if you guys need to get up and stretch, don't leave. That would be distracting, but do it. Because I get excited, and if you guys are just sitting there, I'm going to get... No, I won't get discouraged. <laughs> but I like that. Laughter, that's good. Thank you. Okay, the first deeds. What were they? Let's go back to uh, just the end of Acts 8. Well, let's, let's go back to Acts 16. Just review that really quick. Tell me who, in verse 6, forbade Paul to speak the word in Asia. The Holy Spirit. When did the Holy Spirit come? Acts chapter 2. Is the Holy Spirit interested in the Great Commission? Absolutely. Acts 1.8, Jesus says to the disciples, hey, you guys wait here till the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when he does, you guys are going to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You guys are going to be witnesses. You're going to do the Great Commission. But then here the Holy Spirit says, do not go to Asia. What's that about? Well, what it's about, Paul, Paul says, it has nothing to do with not preaching in Asia. It has everything to do of going to Macedonia. Look at verse uh, at 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God did not want us to preach in Asia. Is that what it says? No. We concluded that God called us to preach the gospel to them. That's why he didn't want them going over here. God had nothing against Asia. He wanted them to go there. That's what we're experiencing. God said no to Argentina because he wants us to go somewhere. But we haven't got the vision yet. <laughs> we haven't gotten the Macedonian call. We're waiting for that. Okay, well, what about Asia, God? What about Asia, Holy Spirit? Interesting. Look at, flip over to Acts 18 towards the very end. Paul had left Corinth. He crossed the sea. He lands at the coast, right where Ephesus was. And at the end of, uh, towards the end of chapter 18, verse... Um, There it is, uh, and verse 18 of 18. After this, Paul stayed many days longer and then took leave of the brothers. 
and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila at Sencre, how do you say that? I don't know. He had cut his hair for he was under a vow, and they came to Ephesus, and he left them, that's Priscilla and Aquila there, he left them there, but he himself went to the synagogue, reasoned with the Jews in Ephesus. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he what? Declined. Paul remembered that Holy Spirit. It's like, I'm not sure I'm supposed to be here right now. They begged him to stay, and he declined. And he said, I will return to you if God wills. Wow, he was tempted. But the Holy Spirit said, no, not yet. Paul said, look, guys, I want want to come. You want me to come, but we just need to wait on God. Have you ever done that? Had to wait on God. If you haven't, you will. That will come up in your life. You need to wait on him. But in chapter 19, it broke loose. Paul gets to co-preach in Asia. Let's look at that. 19 verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. So Paul comes to Ephesus, and he ends up staying there two years. Now, why would he do that? You guys need to understand something about Paul. Paul was on fire with a vision of church planting. He was on fire for a vision of evangelism and discipleship, leadership training, sending pastors out, planting churches. And I want to share with you uh, very quickly... um, that vision. Turn to Acts chapter 13. On their first missionary journey, Paul lays out his grand mission, what what he's all about, what he and his team are all about. And look in verse 44 of Acts chapter 13. The next Sabbath, almost uh, the whole city that they were in gathered to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what was spoken by Paul, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you. Since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, saying, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That was the mission. Now, do any of your Bibles show that little quote there, I have made you a light for the Gentiles, a little bit different from the rest of the text? Do you see that there? It's kind of indented. Why is it indented? Do you know? It's a quote. It's a quote from the Old Testament. That quote from the Old Testament, we don't have time to get into it right now, but that was from Isaiah 49, verse 6, where God the Father is talking to Messiah King, and he gives Messiah King this, uh, this statement. I have made you, Messiah, a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. 
Luke chapter 2, have you heard, the, the? I'm sure you have, the story of Simeon that held the little baby Jesus? You remember what Simeon said when he held that baby? He said, I thank you, Lord, that you have let me see your Messiah, the anointed one. This baby is a light for the Gentiles and will bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Paul here uses the very words that God the Father gave Messiah to describe his own mission. Listen, church, church established by Jesus Christ, we have a mission. That mission is Christ's mission. It is to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That's it, and it doesn't change. If it changes, in all seriousness, why should that church be there? Why should a church be there if the mission, the reason Jesus Christ came has changed? Anyway, Paul's mission when he went to Ephesus, when he went to Athens, when he went to Corinth, when he went to Thessalonica, when he went to Philippi, when he went to Galatia was the same every time. It was the mission to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. The very first moment when he entered into Ephesus, Paul had a mission. That, my friends, is the first deed to be on the mission, the same mission of Jesus Christ. All right, back to the first deeds, Acts 19. These are the first. Here it is. Look at it. Uh, in 19, verse 1, it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country, came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you, were, when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What are we talking about here? We're talking about bringing people to faith in Jesus. What did Paul do when he walked into Ephesus? He found some guys. He found some disciples of John. And he preached the gospel to them. He preached Jesus to them. They were saved and they were baptized. How about that for a first deed? Does that make sense? That a church should preach Jesus to people? Yeah. That's one of the first that is the first deed Paul did right here in Ephesus. So he was a man on a mission, the mission of Christ, and he started talking about Christ. What is evangelism? The definition I like, evangelism, is simply taking the initiative to share Jesus Christ with someone and leaving the results to God. Results are up to God. But you're taking the initiative to talk about Jesus who was Jesus? What did he do? What does he require of us? That's what Paul did. That's what every church should do. Really? Every church established by Christ that has the mission of Christ is going to talk about Christ. But that's not all. Look down in verse 8. And he, Paul, 
entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, before the congregation, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. What we see here, it wasn't just enough that people heard the word of the Lord, received that message, were baptized. He stayed there for two years, reasoning, daily, speaking, persuading, so that the the disciples could understand and obey the word of the Lord. How do we know that? Well, why did Paul separate from the synagogue? Look at verse 8. Paul entered the synagogue. For three months he spoke boldly, boldly, right? About the kingdom of God. But then he left for some reason. What was the reason? Look at verse 9. When some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way. Interesting. Stubborn and continued in unbelief. There was a will not to believe. There was a hardness of heart. What you have here is the idea that as long as Paul spoke the word of the Lord and taught them, they kind of enjoyed it. But then he got meddlesome. They were supposed to obey it. They were supposed to do something. They didn't like that. They didn't want to change. They liked sitting. I don't know if they had padded pews or chairs in that synagogue. But I imagine it was somewhat comfortable. They could just kind of chill there. But Paul got under their skin. He demanded they obey the word that he was speaking. And when they wouldn't and they got stubborn, he's like, you know what, guys? That's not what I'm about. That's not why I'm here. Come on, disciples. Come on, followers. Let's get a group here that's serious, that wants to do something for Jesus. And he took them away out of there, and they got busy. And not only did they get busy learning, they started preaching the gospel to all of Asia. So when we talk discipleship, listen, discipleship is not just learning. It is learning. But it's learning for the reason, for the purpose that we can obey what the Word says. That's what was going on. So you're getting the idea. Here, these are the first deeds. We're finding them here. Here are, the, here are the deeds that these Ephesians did at the very beginning. They were started by a passionate man who, who knew the, the mission of Christ, and he wanted to do that. This church was started by a group, by a team, that just went out from the first day preaching the gospel. And when people received that message, they got them into the Word, teaching them every day with the idea they're going to obey it. Every time Paul started talking the Word of God, these people were like, what are we going to obey today? How is this going to change my life today? And they got busy, and they did it. But that's not all. Paul was into training leaders from the first day. We're going to skip over to chapter 20. 
Paul has a, a goodbye meeting with these guys. After a couple, three years, Paul drops by and he's saying goodbye to these elders one last time. And he, he has this little recollection. He had, they have a little memorial service as it was. Look at Acts uh, 20, verse 17. From Miletus, he, Paul, sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, who's he talking to? The elders of the church of Ephesus. Keep that in mind. Paul, several years have gone by. Paul is now talking to the elders of the church there. And what message does he give him? He says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. What are we talking about? We're talking about first deed stuff here. And he's talking to the elders. He's like, you guys know, because you were the guys I was with. From the first day, guys, you were it. And what went on? I was with you, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Paul was into leadership training. Here we're getting a peek on the fruit of it, because these guys are elders now. And he's remembering, hey guys, remember how I developed you from the first day. I was with you through tears and trials and struggles and persecutions. How do we grow in leadership? By being together. Real life. Not fake, not fake religiosity. Who wants that? Who needs that, right? This is real stuff. Our lives are getting battered, right, from all sides sometimes with health, health issues, with spiritual trials, things that test our faith, with brokenness, relationships that are strained and damaged. This is the real stuff. When we grow together in those times, that's when leaders are developed. Who wants a leader that's all talk? Who wants a leader that hasn't been through the trenches? Is that what you guys need? I don't need that. You know, I don't need sweet platitudes from the pulpit only. <laughs> Pulpit's good stuff. But leaders are developed in the trenches because the leaders have been through it. Paul's like, hey, you guys, from the first day, I was with you. These are the guys that became the leaders. I don't know. To me, it's clear. What are the first deeds in Ephesus? It's laid out here. The man on a mission. It's like, my mission, it's Messiah's mission. As soon as I land in town, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm going to find some guys. And then I'm going to get them into the Word daily, if necessary. We're going to get into the Word. We're going to discover what it says. We're going to do it. And it's not enough just to listen. We're going to go do it. I'm serious. I want to be with people who want to do this stuff. 
And then those guys are going to see me. They're going to see me in my trials. I'm going to let my hair down. I'm, I'm not going to hold anything back from them. And then they're going to learn. These guys are going to learn in the trenches. Then they themselves will know how to lead others through trials. But not only that, Paul sent these guys. Paul was coordinating and supervising these men. And just to give you a little flavor, we're, we're in chapter 20. Uh, we're just going to read uh, uh, verses 1 through 4 of chapter 20. Paul was in Ephesus, and because of the gospel going out, because of the change in people's life, there was actually a riot in Ephesus. The Ephesians, the capital of that, uh, that region, had this giant statue of a goddess to, uh, to Diana, also called... Um, also called Artemis, this giant idol. And so many people were coming to faith, they were like trashing their idols, and there was a, a riot that happened. And we'll pick up the action after that riot, called an uproar here in verse 1 of chapter 20. It says, after the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, sent for his men. And after encouraging Encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Why am I reading all this stuff? Well, here you go. Verse 4. He's going to list his men. These were the men with him. Sopater the Berean, son of Phyrus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Segundus, and Gaius of Derby, and Timothy, and who? The Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. Paul took these, these guys, Tychicus and Trophimus, from Asia along with him. He's dragging them all over Macedonia and Greece. Why is he doing that? Paul wants to develop as leaders. And you can read the writings of Paul. He's always sending guys here, sending them there. He's commanding guys to come. He's commanding guys to leave. Paul's training his leaders, and then he's giving them a chance to expand and go do stuff. You guys do that? I I know you do. I I know you guys do that. You know what? It's a little risky, isn't it? When you send new people out, they can make mistakes. But that's the way they learn. That's real. That's real life. Okay, so Paul sent these leaders. He not only trained them, but he sent them. And not only that, he formed and maintained partnerships. What? What's that about? Forming and maintaining partnerships. Well, I just read to you Verse 4 here in Acts chapter 20. Do you remember those two Asians, what their names were? Tychicus and Trophimus. Haven't, haven't met many Tychicus and Trophimus lately. I don't know why. Be a good name, wouldn't it? Hey, little Tichy, come here. <laughs> well, look at uh, Colossians chapter 4. I'm going to read to you verse 7 and 9. Keep that name in mind. It kind of sticks in your brain. 
always wonder if Tychicus had the Ichicus. I don't know. That's how I remember stuff. Sorry, Jessica. Jessica teases me all the time about my wordplay. Rightfully so. But this name is going to come up again in Colossians chapter 4. Colossians is prob- was probably just outside the reason of Asia. When Paul wrote this letter, he probably had never been there to Colossae. The church was planted by one of his disciples named Epaphras. So Paul wrote this letter to this beloved little church. But look at chapter 4, verse 7. Paul says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. How about that, huh? Tychicus. We know where he was from, from Asia. And why did he send him to Colossae? Why would Paul do that? Why would he send this Asian? A different church. Ephesus over here, Colossae is over there. Why would he send him? Well, it says so. For this purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Wow, beautiful, huh? Paul served, encouraged, and supported. And I'll just lock that down to, the, to his dying day. Let's uh, turn over to Acts chapter 20 again. Look at verse 28. We have two more I want to mention. One, Paul delegated his responsibilities to the men, and then he served, encouraged, and supported them. In verse 28, he says, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. This is a powerful statement coming from Paul. Who was it that originally forbade Paul to go to Ephesus? The Holy Spirit. And now who has appointed these men overseers? The Holy Spirit of this church in Ephesus. Paul's saying, hey, look, you guys, I'm not going to see you anymore. The Holy Spirit has made you Overseers, elders, leaders, right here. You're the guys. And then he was gone. Paul made a clean break. I know you guys have experienced that lately. Uh, I think it was just last August, right? When you guys made the official clean break in every way. Self-sustaining, self-governing church. Dear Summit Bible Church, you are, you are here. You're run, you are a church with God-appointed elders, appointed by the Holy Spirit, you men. This church was not established by Foothill Bible Church. This church was established by the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your Lord. And I am so happy to be here because I already know your mission, the mission here, is the mission of Christ. 
There couldn't be no other to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. That's what you're all about. How do you do that? I suggest by preaching the gospel all over the place, by teaching the word of God so that people do it. And if necessary, admonishing, even separating yourself off from stubborn people who don't even care for the book. We're serious about obeying the word of God here at Summit. But not only that, training people, being there with people in the trenches. If you guys are in the trenches now, guess what? You may be the the future leader. Why is God God letting you go through the trench, going through the trial, going through the pain, going through the suffering? So you can help someone else later. That's why. God's training leaders right now, right here. But guess what? Those leaders need to be sent out. They need to be put in, put, given the opportunity to go do stuff, to work with others in this great mission we have. And, and then at some point, delegating uh, those responsibilities will be delegated so those leaders will be the new overseers. Well, I just want to point out to you that Christ's methods have not changed. Let's go back to Revelation chapter 2. The Lord himself says to this church, remember therefore, in verse 5, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. There they are. You know what? The, the way to get your love back is not to seek out a feeling. It's not just to remember, how was that like when I was first saved? Remember, this message is to a church, not an individual. It's just not remember, how was I feeling, how, what was that like for me when I was saved? This is a message to a church. Lord Jesus has specific works in mind. What did that church do when they were established? We've talked about them. I can testify to you, when you share your faith with somebody, and you see the tears begin, and they see themselves as God does, broken people that need a savior and they understand the wretchedness and vileness of that brokenness inside their own heart and they understand the savior died for them and you're communicating you're showing them from God's word what Jesus Christ actually did for them and they get it and the light bulb comes on your love for Jesus is going to explode it is that's the way it works Jesus knew that. This command to them was not like, a, like some secular boss trying to lord it over. Listen, you guys, if you don't get with it, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to remove your lampstand kind of thing. That's not it at all. It is, it, there's hardly anything better in life than to see someone born again right there in front of you. That's amazing. Or even if they reject the gospel, just the joy of, of praising God and having the chance to share with them. You guys know what I'm talking about? I know you guys have done this. 
Isn't that just a joy? That's a blessing. Do the deeds you did at first. You know, if you've been through the trenches, if you've been through that tough anguish that comes in life, and you see somebody else going through that, come alongside them. You know what? You're going to be blessed. You're going you're to experience a great joy in getting to share and disciple them as well. Okay, we're out of time. But I have to share this because today, you know, uh, Ephesus, you can go there. I don't know if anybody's been, anybody ever been to Ephesus? It's actually quite a spectacular place. I have not been. I want to go. The Roman ruins are still there. There's columns. You can go see where the library was. You can go see the amphitheater where the riot occurred. The very place that Acts 19 talks about, you can go there and see it. But you know what you won't find? You're not going to find a church there. That's sad, isn't it? The lampstand's gone. Ephesus today is famous for its ruins. Something to keep in mind. You know what? I'd rather be in Summit than Ephesus. <laughs> what? I really don't care for the ruins. You know, it would be interesting. I would like to walk that street where Paul walked. I'd rather be here. This is where the life of Jesus is. These are people who want to share their faith. These are people going through trials who want to learn so they can disciple others. This is a church that hasn't lost the vision for the mission. This is a church that knows I've got the message that can bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Wow, praise the Lord. So Summit, you keep it up, okay? And don't lose the vision. Do those first deeds, and our Lord will be glorified. Praise the Lord.